Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Robert Andrews, one of the pastors here at Elevate Church, and I'm so glad you are joining us uh, today. We are starting a brand new series today that we're calling Messy Christmas, Messy uh, Christmas. I don't know if you've uh, been anywhere lately, but if you've been in any stores over the past few months, it should have been obvious to you that Christmas was uh, was approaching. Uh, really, it's now it's just right around uh, the corner. But how many how many of y'all know that Christmas really can be a messy time of the year? Anybody know that it can be a messy time of the year? Uh, how many of y'all like to decorate? You like to decorate? Uh, that really can be a messy process, right? Uh, my wife always makes me go up into the attic and and get those boxes of decorations out of the attic. And so we'll have boxes everywhere. And so just depending upon how Amanda is feeling the day that she is decorating, she might use these decorations or those decorations, but she won't use these decorations. over Anybody else, you've got some decorations you just never use. Yeah, and so uh, it's crazy, but that can be a really messy process. Sadie Kate, my middle child, uh, she wants to decorate her room for Christmas, and so it amazes me. She wants to put more stuff in her room that is already overly crowded with stuff, but she wants to to decorate. And so Amanda, she'll put out uh, Frosty the Snowman. She'll put out Santa figurines. She'll put out other kind of seasonal art, uh, and she'll also put out a nativity scene, uh, but I never get to put out any kind of Christmas decorations that I like. Any man, or you, 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 you share that sentiment with me, just me. So I never get to put out anything that I want. It's always, it's always what Amanda and the kids want. And so this year I kind of protested. I was like, I, I want something of my own. And so Amanda gave me permission to get a Christmas decoration. She gave me permission to get whatever Christmas decoration that I wanted to do to put around the house. And so I found it uh, just this past week, uh, actually at the downtown marketplace right here in, in Vicksburg. So I found the perfect Christmas decoration. Y'all ready to see it? All right, here we go. This is what I got to put out at Christmas decorations this year. I, I came home with this and Amanda was like, what is that? And I, I said, this is our Christmas decoration. She said, I said you could put out a Christmas decoration. This is not Christmas themed. You know what I'm saying? So I got her covered, right? Look, check this out. Put this little hat on right there. And so, man, so my kids are scared to death of this thing, man. But I think it's awesome, man. Watch. He's even got a string on the back. You can look. He's like, what is going on, man? Look at that. And so this is going to be up at our house for Christmas. And Amanda and them were like ready to put it up. And I was like, no, we're leaving this thing out all year. We're going to decorate it for like Valentine's Day, Easter. We're finally getting my decorations out. I'm so excited. Aren't y'all excited for me? Y'all are like, put that doll away, man. That thing is scary. But, man, I'm so excited. I'm going to let him look at y'all for a little while right there. There you go. So, uh, but, yeah, again, uh, decorating for Christmas, it really can be a messy thing. How many of y'all use an artificial tree? Anybody in here use an artificial tree? What about real tree people? Use a real tree. If you know, uh, if you use a real tree, man, real trees can be messy, right? They drop pine needles everywhere. Uh, When we get a real tree at our house, the only stipulation that I have is that it has to be shorter than my wife, Amanda. And so I got a picture of our tree a couple years ago right here. There it is right there in the corner. And so that was our Christmas tree. And some of you are like, really, that was y'all's Christmas tree? Yes, that's our Christmas tree. If we get a real one, it has to be shorter than Amanda so that she can put the star on top. Uh, that's the only thing. And so, but again, having a real tree 
can be messy if you've got dogs or animals. How many, you know, uh, cats, what do they want to do? They want to get in that tree, right? Uh, if you've got a two-year-old, you've got to put all the ornaments at least three feet up. And so if you've got that tree, you don't put any ornaments on there. You know what I'm saying? It just makes it a lot easier. But again, you've got to put your ornaments all the way over the top to keep your kid out of it because they'll go over there and grab it, say ball, and they'll want to throw it, right? Again, Christmas really can be uh, messy. It really, it really can, can be. How many of y'all bake cookies and stuff like that around Christmas? Christmas. If you bake cookies, what happens in your kitchen? Your kitchen becomes a mess. There'll be ingredients everywhere. If you have a Christmas party, what do you do? You clean that house before everybody comes over. You dust, you scrub the toilets, and everybody comes to your house. They're there for about an hour, hour and a half, two hours, or something like that. And then when they leave, what does your house look like? It looks like a mess. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It looks like a wreck. Again, if you go into the Christmas stores, if you go to the stores right now to, to shop for Christmas, the stores are even a mess, right? Uh, the people who are in those stores, man, they're, they're a mess. People, people are, are mean. They will mess you up for some Christmas presents. How many of y'all know that, right? Women will be like, that is my pioneer woman cooktop set. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And the men will be like, oh, no, it ain't. That's my wife's cooktop set, right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, it can be really, really, really bad. It can be a, a mess. Again, Christmas really can just be messy. And during the Christmas season, even our world, Seems like it's a mess, right? Australia is, is still on fire. There are violent protests that are happening all around our world. There are break-ins. There are murders. There is rape, political hate, racial hate, identity theft. I'm telling you, if you look at our world, it really is. It's a mess. And some people would say, you know what, Pastor? You don't even have to look at the world to, to find a mess. You can just look at my life. My life is a mess, and maybe that's the case for you today. Maybe, maybe there's some family mess that's going on. Maybe there is a, uh, a messy marriage that's going on. Maybe some of the decisions that your children are making is creating a mess. Some of us have family members, and we have people in our life that we don't even want to see around Christmas because of a mess. There is stress. There is tension. There is depression. Some of us are struggling with pain, we're struggling with loneliness because maybe this is the first Christmas that you have without a, lo a loved one, you've lost a loved one, or maybe it's not the first Christmas, maybe it's the second Christmas or third Christmas or fourth Christmas, but there is still this deep sadness, there is still this heaviness of pain on your heart. Some of us have financial messes right now. We're, we're behind on the bills. We're, we're wondering how we're going to make ends meet. We're wondering how we're going to buy Christmas presents at all. It's just a mess. Some people, even during this time, are dealing with a health mess. Maybe, maybe you or a loved one has been diagnosed with something scary, and there are these aches and pains and hurts and problems. It's just a mess. When you think about Christmas, you know that it's supposed to be this joyful time of year. That's what all the, the songs say. Maybe you think about that song by Andy Williams called The Most Wonderful Time of the Year. The lyrics say it's the most wonderful time of the year with kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer. It's the most wonderful time of year. It's the hap happiest season of all with holiday greetings and gay happy meetings when friends come to call. It's the hap happiest season of all. How many of y'all know that song, right? It's supposed to be a happy time of year for so many people, but unfortunately right now for so many it does seem to just be a mess. 
Well, if you're in a mess this morning, if there is a mess going on in your life, I got some real good news for you. God doesn't mind your mess. God doesn't mind your mess. In fact, God does his greatest work during messes. He really does. God does his greatest work when there is turmoil, when there is chaos. He does his greatest work when you and I are going through the mess. And so if you're keeping notes, you want to write some things down, I want to point out three things to you. The first thing that I want you to see this morning is that God shows up in the middle of messes. Y'all still with me? Everybody say hello. All right, God shows up in the middle of messes. Listen, if you read the Bible story, if you read about the first Christmas, if you read about the events that that happened right before the first Christmas, you can't help but notice that things were a mess. And so what that shows me is that even today, that when we're going through messes, it's nothing new. It's always been like that. But again, if you study the word, what you're going to see is that at that first Christmas, Rome had basically taken over Israel. They had taken over Israel. And so at that first Christmas, what had happened was the Romans had basically occupied Israel. And that meant that the Jews were under the the Roman, they were under Roman rule. That means they had to obey Roman laws. They had to listen to Roman government. And so during this first Christmas, we're dealing with oppression the, the, the Jewish people, they wanted out from underneath the bondage of the Romans. And so the, Rome, the Romans had this leader, and his name was Herod. His name was Herod, but he didn't want to just be called Herod. He didn't want to just be called King Herod. He wanted to be called by a specific title, and that title was Herod the Great. See, folks, the great theologian Drake might have said, hey, last name ever, first name greatest, but that is a borrowed term. That is a borrowed title. Herod the Great had already said, that is who I am. I am the greatest ever. I want you to call me Herod the Great. And so people called him Herod the Great, but they didn't call him Herod the Great because he was really great. You know why they called him Herod the Great? It's because they were afraid of him. See, Herod the Great was a ruthless man. Herod the Great had actually killed his wife. Not only had he killed his wife, but he had murdered his two sons. He murdered his wife's brother. He murdered his wife's mother. He murdered her grandfather. And if that wasn't enough, do you know what else Herod did? Do you know what Herod did with his wife's dead body? He basically had it put into a huge container of honey. And he kept it there for seven years to preserve her body. And he kept it there so that any time he wanted to, he could go and just look at his wife. That's kind of freaky, right? That's kind of freaky. That's kind of freaky. That's, that's messed up. And so again, there were, there were all these, this mess that was leading up to this first Christmas, but there were also relational messes that were going on that first Christmas. Think about Mary and Joseph. Think about the mess that they were in. Their relationship really did get messy because Joseph, Joseph is about to call off the marriage with Mary. Why? Because Mary comes to him and Mary says that she is pregnant and she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Don't you know if you were Joseph and you heard that, hey, I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. How are you going to respond to that? (laughs) Who? Where he stay at. That's what you're going to be asking, Right? And so again, and so again, that this is it's a it's a, it's a mess. Not only were there political messes and violent and, and relational messes, but there were also violent messes that were going on. 
In Matthew chapter 2, King King Herod hears about the birth of this new baby who everybody is calling a king. Well, that threatens who he is. And so he doesn't like it. And you know the story. The Magi, they come to visit Herod. The wise men, they come to visit Herod. And they say, hey, we're here to see this newborn king. And so Herod says, yeah, I've been looking for him too. And how about you guys continue to look. And when you find him, come back and tell me where he is so that I can go and worship him too. And look at what Matthew chapter 2 verse 16 says. The Bible says when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Come on now, that's a mess. The slaughter of so many innocent babies. Can you imagine soldiers rushing in and just ripping a child from a mother's arms? How do you think they felt? You think those parents felt like this is a mess? This is a mess. Even Jesus' birth was a, a mess. Jesus wasn't born in a hospital with doctors and, and nurses. He, he wasn't born in a hotel room. There was no room for him at the end. And, and so you know that he had to be born in a stable. He was basically born in a cave. One of my dogs, one of my German shepherds just gave birth to some puppies, and my German shepherd gave birth to her puppies in a better environment than Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, was born in. It was a mess. After he's born, he's placed in a manger, a feeding trough, basically. Jesus is surrounded by messy animals and all of their mess. I'm telling you, it was a mess. It was a political mess. It was relational messes. There was violent messes. There were financial messes. There were literal messes. And so because of that, what I can't help but think that God is trying to tell each and every one of us is that he's not afraid of mess. He's not. God showed up. In the middle of a mess. God was not born in a mansion. He was born in the middle of a mess. And so what that shows me is that God's not afraid of your mess. He's not afraid of my mess. He's not threatened by our mess. He's not running away from our mess. He's not disgusted by our mess. He's not trying to avoid our mess. He's willing to get right in the middle of our mess. Some people, even people in this room... You've convinced yourself that you're such a mess that God can't love you. You you, you think that you've made such a mess of your life that God doesn't want anything to do with you, but that couldn't be any further from the truth. God wants to get in the middle of your mess. It doesn't matter how messy it is. You say, but my mess stinks. My mess is nasty. This is crazy. It's wild. God doesn't care. He loves you. And he does his best work in the middle of messes. So God shows up in the middle of messes. And the second thing that I want you to see is this. There is a message. There's a mess. There is, I'm sorry, there's a message for you in your your mess. Your mess has a message from God. Your mess has a message from God. Now, that doesn't mean that God created your mess. That's not what that means. It's not. But it does say, what that does mean is that God will use your mess to give you a message. The the first four letters of the word message are what? Mess. Mess. That means, again, that there is a message at the end of your mess. How many of y'all got an iPhone? You got an iPhone? 
Uh, how many? I'm, I'm sure every phone will do this, but you can turn notifications on for like apps on your phone. How many of y'all got like that? Maybe you got Facebook. Somebody sends you a comment or they send you a message. What happens? It'll go ding, and it'll show you, hey, you got a notification. You need to check it out. So you get your phone out. You say, oh, this person sent me a message, right? So you read it, right? If you got that weather app, what happens? You know, if it's about to rain or if it's about to storm, ding, and you look at the phone and say, hey, I got this. I got this notification. If you got the ESPN app, you know, like this past week after. Mississippi State destroyed Ole Miss by one point. You know what I'm saying? My phone went da na na da na na, and it was showing me the final score. You know what I'm saying? Hey, check it out. You got this notification. You got this message. Well, if you are in the middle of a mess, that should be a notification that God has a message for you. You can turn to God in the middle of your mess. See, folks, after Mary and Joseph were about to call it quits, after Mary told Joseph, hey, I'm pregnant, by the Holy Spirit. He says, you know what, I, I just can't do this. He's about to leave Mary. But you know what happened? In the middle of that mess, God showed up and he gave Joseph a message. And that message is found in Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 19. The Bible says, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. I'm telling you, folks, Joseph, when all of this was going down, was dealing with some some shame. Man, he was heartbroken. He, He really was. He was... Dealing with pain, he was confused. He was thinking that Mary had been lying to him, that Mary had been deceiving him, that Mary had cheated on him. And all of a sudden, in the middle of that mess, God shows up with a message and God speaks to Joseph and God says, do not be afraid. He says, Joseph, listen, I see you. I am with you in this mess and I'm doing something in this mess that you don't quite understand. It's something so big. It's going to affect so many people, but don't you give up. Again, there was a message for Joseph in the middle of that mess. Listen to me. Don't get so distracted by your mess that you miss the message God has for you. Don't get so distracted by the mess you find yourself in that you miss the message that God has for you. So many people, when they are in the middle of the mess, they get distracted from God. They get distracted from church. They get distracted from the Word of God. They get distracted from the things of God and the people of God. But I'm telling you, in the middle of your mess, God has a message. Are you listening Are you attentive to what he's trying to tell you? Do you even recognize his voice? Because more often than not, when we're in the middle of the mess, you know what the message is that God has for us is? He he, he just wants us to draw closer to him. He just wants us to draw closer to him. That's why you have to turn to God in your mess. I look back on so many things that have happened in my life things that I didn't want to happen, things that I wish had never happened. And during those times, it amazes me how God drew me closer to himself. It amazes me how during those times, God taught me how to rely on him. 
It amazes me that during those times, God taught me that I can rely on him. He's never forsaken me. He's not. And so, you know what I've learned to ask when I find myself in the middle of the mess? I found myself asking, God, what is it that you're trying to teach me right now? What is it that you want me to learn? What is the message that you have for me? I'm telling you, when you're in the middle of the mess, don't miss the message God has for you. Ask him what it is he's trying to teach you because he's got great plans for your life. He's got great plans for your family's life. And so we need to learn the message he has for you. And right now, the message that he has for some of us might just be to trust him. Maybe you're going through something difficult and it seems overwhelming. And his message would be just to trust him. Don't lean on your own understanding, but instead acknowledge him in all of your ways and he will make your path straight. Maybe he's trying to teach you right now that he is your portion or that he is your provider or that he is your healer. Maybe, maybe he's trying to teach you just to endure. Maybe he's trying to tell you don't grow weary in doing good because at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. He might be trying to teach you just how to forgive people. Maybe God just wants you to go to that person who hurts you and just forgive that person and love that person. He wants you to be a peacemaker. People, people get so distracted by their mess that they, they miss the message God has for them. Joseph was frustrated with his circumstances. He was frustrated with his situation. But God showed up in the middle of that mess with a message. And that brings me to the third thing that I want you to see. Not only does God show up in the middle of messes, not only does your mess have a message from God, but I want you to know that God turns messes into miracles. God turns messes into miracles. See, I've already said this, but it's worth saying again, God does his biggest work in the middle of messes. He does. God does his deepest work in the middle of messes. I'm telling you, 2,000 years ago, this world was a mess, just like it is today. And God turned that big old mess into a big miracle. Jesus Christ came to this earth. He was born. And when he was born, he provided so many miracles for humanity. In fact, I want you to, to see three of those miracles that he provided for us before you leave today. The first thing that I want you to see that Jesus provides through his birth is the miracle of joy. The miracle of joy. you got to see this. The first Christmas, Luke chapter 2, verse 10. Here's what the Bible says. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Were there things that people could have been afraid of during that time? Oh, yeah. Were there things that could have been bothering them? Oh, yeah. But God says, do not be afraid. Why? Because I bring you good news that will cause great what? Joy for all the people. So what's the, what's the news? Look at verse 11. It says, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. So the message was, I know that things are a mess right now. I know that things look bad, but forget about that mess because there is joy to the world. And I want you to know today that there can be joy for you. There can be joy for me. There can be joy for each 
in every one of us, even in the middle of our messes. Because here's the truth. You know, if you're a follower of Christ, you can have a mess and joy at the same time. Y'all know that? If you're a follower of Christ, you can have a mess and joy at the same time. The Bible calls it joy unspeakable. The Bible calls it joy full of glory. The Bible calls it joy inexpressible. Robert, uh, you say, Robert, I look around at my family and things are in chaos. Things are a mess at my work. Things are a mess with my health. Health, but, but, but somehow still I have joy down in my heart. And it's not just there when things are great. It's not just there when things are good. It's not just there when things are okay. It's even there when things are bad. Why is that? It is the miracle of joy that God can give you if he lives inside of you and if he lives inside of your heart. God said that there can be a miracle of joy even when Herod was killing innocent children. There can be the miracle of joy, even when things seem to be falling apart. Jesus shows up on the scene, and he says, joy to the world. I'm telling you that Jesus can provide you joy in the middle of your mess. It's a miracle. But you know what else kind of miracle Jesus brings? Not only does Jesus bring the miracle of joy, but Jesus brings the miracle of peace. He brings the miracle of peace. Look at Luke chapter 2, verses 13 through 14. Again, it says this, Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, folks, when Jesus was born, you need to understand there wasn't much peace in the world. There wasn't. It was a crazy time. Much like the world in which we find ourselves living today, there was fear, there was pain, there was suffering, there was anxiety, and Jesus shows up on the scene and says, peace is here. The Prince of Peace says, peace is here. Peace is available to you. It's the miracle of peace. It's a peace that surpasses all understanding. Here's what Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 says. It says, do not be anxious about anything. How many of y'all like me? But I got a mess. I got this going on in my life. I got this going on. I got that going on. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? That the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, what does that even mean? If that was written in today's language, it would say you would have this crazy peace. This peace that nobody understands. This peace that causes confusion for all the people around you. I remember a couple years ago, something happened and I, I, this, this video showed up on, on the internet and I saw this picture. I saw this picture right here. How many of y'all remember seeing that picture maybe a year or two ago? How many of y'all can see what's going on there? What's that in the background? That's a tornado, folks. Are y'all still with me? What's this right there? That's good. All right. All right. And so what is this guy doing on the bottom right? He's cutting his grass. What's behind him? There's a tornado. Man, if this was your neighbor and you look out the window and you see this, what are you thinking? 
Man, old Bob's crazy. I knew it. I knew he's been crazy. You'd be like, man, that guy's got problems, right? But he's just, there's, he's not in, there's not a storm brewing there. He's in the middle of a storm, and he's just cutting his grass. Well, here's what the Bible literally teaches, is that you can be going through a mess spiritually, and you can have that kind of peace in your heart. It's a peace that will cause people to say, how in the world is that possible? It's a peace that will cause people to say, how in the world are you not falling apart with everything that's happening in your life? How in the world are you remaining calm when all these terrible things keep happening? How are you remaining calm when your kids are acting funny and your money's even acting more funny? They're thinking, poor you, but you're thinking, I've got the peace of God which transcends all understanding, living in my heart and living in my life. Filling me, giving me peace. It's the miracle of peace. It's the miracle. So God gives the miracle of joy. He gives the miracle of peace. And there's one more miracle that you got to see. This provided through Jesus Christ. And that is the miracle of salvation. The miracle of salvation. And I'm wrapping up. But I want you to see these verses in Luke chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. We've already read them. But here's what the Bible says. And the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Everybody say all. All the people. And he says this in verse 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to who? To you. Look at the person sitting next to you and say a Savior has been born for you. Now look at the person you really don't want to talk to and tell them the same thing. The Savior's been born for you too. Right? Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Folks, Jesus came to a sin-sick world. He came to a messy world to provide the miracle of salvation for all people. He came to earth with all of its mess to rescue and to save messy people. Luke chapter 19 verse 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. See, if you're in the middle of a mess right now, if you're in the middle of the mess of sin, Jesus is seeking after you. Maybe you came to church today because you feel like you're seeking after God, but that's not the case. He's seeking after you. He came to earth in the middle of your mess, and he's here today. He's here today to get in the middle of your mess. He came today to get in the middle of your addiction. He came today to get in the middle of your lying and cheating. He came today to get in the middle of your pain and your hurt. God's not afraid of your mess. He's not intimidated by your mess. He's not bothered by your mess. He left heaven. He left heaven, the perfect place to get right in the middle of it. Jesus says it's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick. Jesus says, I didn't come to call the righteous, but the unrighteous. He left glory. He came to earth for sick people. 
It's the miracle of salvation. Jesus came to rescue you, to forgive you of all your sin. You say, Robert, you don't know what I've done. You don't know how bad it is. You don't know what I did last summer. You don't know what I did last year. You don't know what I did last night. Maybe not. But here's what I know for sure. I know that Jesus didn't come to rub your sins in. Jesus came to rub your sins out. He didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save it. I'm telling you, he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's the one who came to seek and to save the lost. And he came to get in the middle of your mess to set you free. And the scripture teaches us that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. It's the miracle of salvation that God would jump right in the middle of this mess to save us, to save people like me, and to save people like you. Salvation for all, no matter who we are, no matter what we have done. Have you received that miracle? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual life, But I bet today that there's some people here who really are going through a mess right now. And this got you worried. This got you depressed. You don't have peace. You don't have joy. You're a follower of Jesus. But you've just gotten distracted. So distracted by the mess that you're missing the message. You'd say, Robert, would you pray for me and what I'm going through? I'm just going to ask you right where you are. You just lift your hand. Father, I pray for all these who recognize that they've got some things going on in their life that are messy. So, Father, right now, I pray that you would provide them with this peace that surpasses all understanding, the peace that your word teaches, the peace that the Prince of Peace provides. Father, give it right now. And I also ask that you would restore joy. Father, you are worthy of our praise and worship. So I pray that we would understand what it is that you've done for us. And that the joy of our salvation would be restored. As we continue to pray, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. But maybe you're here today. And the miracle you need today is salvation. You need to be saved from yourself. You need to be saved from your sin. I don't think I'd be doing my job as a pastor if I didn't give you an opportunity to receive that miracle. And so if you know that you want to surrender to this God who loves you so much that he's just willing to step right into the mess that you're in. I'm going to ask it right where are you pray this prayer. Father God, I need you to save me. Save me from my sin. Save me from myself. I confess you as Lord today. I surrender to you. And I ask right now that you would mold me into a new person. Not a better version of the old me, Father. A completely new person. 
and that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit so that from this day forward, I can live with you, live for you. Father, may people know that I'm yours because there's a difference in the way I live my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for this miracle. Again, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, but I wonder today, if you prayed to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, would you do me a favor? And right where you are, would you just lift your hand? If you gave your heart to Christ, amen, 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 amen. <laughs> Father, we thank you for the miracle of salvation. We thank you for Jesus, the one who was willing to come here to rescue us, to save us. And so, Father, right now, help us to lift your name. Father, help us to praise you. Right now, may we say, yes, we will. Live for you and praise you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.